He's completely innocent. He definitely didn't commit any war crimes, and he didn't misrepresent himself when he came into the country. Я стою как будто вот вот как будто меня мои старики видят. Я вроде вот они меня как. That's the sound from a recent CBC documentary about Helmut Oberlander, a suspected Nazi collaborator who died Wednesday at his home in Waterloo, Ontario. He was 97. In the story, you hear one of his daughters denying her father had anything to do with the murders of 20,000 Jews, although witnesses and wartime documents say he was a member of the Waffen-SS and later part of a team of Einsatzkommandos, or mobile killing units. They shot tens of thousands of Jews in Eastern Europe and Russia. You also hear the granddaughter of one of the murdered Jews visiting the site of the ravine in Rostov-on-Don, Russia, where one of the massacres happened, saying she feels her lost family calling to her. After the war, Helmut Oberlander came to Canada. That was in 1954, and he was married, they had a family, and he became a successful real estate developer in Waterloo. He claimed to be only an interpreter, and he's fought deportation for 25 years after Canada stripped him of his Canadian citizenship four times for lying about his wartime past. His death brings into sharp focus again Canada's poor record of bringing known Nazi criminals to justice. If the Canadian government had the political will to go after these war criminals, they could have. I think if the Jewish community had the will to go after these war criminals, they could have. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Friday, September 24th, 2021. Welcome to the CJN Daily. Sponsored by Metropia. Helmut Oberlander was probably the last living Nazi among a group of between 250 and over a thousand who came to Canada after the Second World War and lived out their lives pretty much out of the limelight. Canadian authorities knew about him as early as the 1960s. But it wasn't until 20 years later that his name came up when Conservative Prime Minister Brian Mulroney ordered a retired judge, Jules Deschenes, to hold an inquiry into whether Joseph Mengele was living in Canada. The judge ruled that the notorious Auschwitz doctor wasn't here, but he said plenty of others were, and he wanted Canada to either charge them with war crimes or go after them a different way by revoking their Canadian citizenship for lying about their past and then deport them. Fourteen of the men on the judges' list, including Oberlander, died before their cases were finished. Canada deported five others, two more left on their own, and another two were extradited to other countries. Canada lost its cases against four more men. Coming up, we'll chat with Stephen Rambam. He's a private detective and Nazi hunter based in New York, and he was intimately involved in tracking down war criminals in Canada. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere right now. I'm Ellie Bolograph in Ottawa, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. In election news, it appears Jewish Conservative MP Marty Morantz may have won re-election in his Winnipeg area riding by 24 votes. But under election rules, when it's that close, there's usually a recount ordered. So while Morantz told supporters he's looking forward to returning to Ottawa, we'll have to wait for Elections Canada's final decision. 
He won the election in 2019 in the riding of Charleswood, St. James, Assiniboia, Headingley, beating the Liberal by a much wider margin. This time, the People's Party of Canada's candidate took more than a thousand votes, and some observers say these votes cost him an easier victory. Steve Rambam is still running his private investigations firm, Palorium, in New York. He spent many years in Canada back in the day hunting for Nazis. He personally tracked down men he suspected by disguising himself as a professor from a fictitious Central American university, and he wore a hidden microphone and recorded all his interviews, and then he gave all of his findings to Canadian authorities. He learned that Helmut Oberlander had died from us when we called him for an interview. He joins me now from Texas. What was your first involvement in his case in particular, if you can say, uh, and when did, dating back to when? Well, certainly at least 25 years. I mean, Helmut Oberlander and, and who he was and the crimes he committed has been known for many, many decades, almost since the end of the war itself. Uh, Oberlander was part of a unit that was an extermination unit. Was an Einsatzkommando, and uh, anyone who was a member of those units was was a bad guy. Was at the very least a a co-conspirator in mass murder. And uh, the fact that that Canada did not take the steps necessary to deport him, I mean, they certainly blew a lot of smoke, but they did not take the steps necessary to deport him. They did not take the steps necessary to put him on trial. And uh, I, I mean, clearly it was a matter of, of lack of political will, but let, let me just pivot and tell you, I, I, I res, you know, I reserve my strongest condemnation for the Jewish community. There were no mass demonstrations except one that we insisted on. Uh, there were no Jewish organizations putting an appropriate level of pressure on on people in parliament and by that i mean if you don't vote to change the law that allows canada to uh, prosecute a mass murderer or not prosecute a mass murderer uh, we are going to vote for your opponent and so on i will tell you if helmet oberlander had killed uh, a thousand choir boys or a thousand members of the indigenous community, or a thousand uh, black citizens of anywhere, Canada would have found a way to bring them to justice. It's only when the victims are Jews that Canada did nothing, and frankly, we did nothing. The Jews did nothing. Let me go back to a couple of things you said. B'nai B'rith has spoken out. Wiesenthal Center has spoken out. There has been a lot of lobbying. What I what I want to ask you, you about... You have to do more than speak. You have, to, you have to make it a central core issue of the Jewish community. And I have to tell you, the message that has been sent to enemies of the Jewish people is even if you are a member of a group that has been established specifically to kill civilians, the bulk of which were Jews, you're gonna die in your bed in Canada. In terms of the strategy that Canada took, 
they pivoted from Imre Finta. And I'm sure you know, but I'll just say for our listeners, there was a different strategy before Oberlander than uh, after. So what happened was Canada had a certain amount of, uh, they, they decided to try to try them as a war criminal. And then in the case of Imre Finta, he said, I was just following orders. And the Supreme Court of Canada said, you're okay. That was a defense. So then Canada, it's almost like the movie, The Untouchables, and they couldn't get Al Capone on murder. So they got him on tax evasion, right? What I they- think that if the Canadian government had the political will to go after these war criminals, they could have. I think if the Jewish community had the will to go after these war criminals, they could have. You know, I got I got a lot of publicity for going up to Canada and identifying these people and getting confessions and so on and so forth. Uh, sure, at a boy for me, but what the heck happened in the previous 50 years? I mean, I'm a fine investigator. I'm not the only fine investigator. I'm not the only fine Jewish investigator. Is it really credible that for 50 years, the Jewish community didn't have the funds or the interest uh, or the ability to put together some good local Jewish investigators, locate the war criminals that are in the country, do whatever was necessary to expose them, and then frankly, raise hell. Can we talk a bit about the process? Basically, Canada's own system seems to me was used by Oberlander in order to defend and defer and defer. It's a massive disgrace for Canada to to have let Oberlander die in his bed, but it's an exponentially bigger disgrace that every time Oberlander won, um, you know, there should have been there should have been a, a motion in Parliament and there should have been an amendment of the law to make it easier to go after the next guy. I mean, you had twelve hundred Nazi murderers minimum in Canada. You lose a few cases, you get it right, you throw the rest out. Let me let me just digress and point out that that Trudeau, dad Trudeau, not your current Trudeau, uh, said quite openly and quite frankly. Uh, we are not going to go after Nazi war criminals. We don't want to exacerbate ethnic tensions. What about any of them are still alive? Any of the ones on your list or have they all died? There are a few still alive in Canada uh, and, and elsewhere, including in the United States. As far as I know, there are no active cases. There are many, many cases that were considered. They were never brought because, frankly, Canada doesn't want to be bothered. They're, they've had enough of war criminals. A lot of people are now opposed to bringing the cases because they say it's just bad optics, dragging a guy in who's who's drooling in his lap in a wheelchair, wheeling him in. The guy's the old man, his hand is shaking. He's looking around. He's confused. And then he says, why are the Jews after me? There's a lot of blame to be held all around, it seems. If Oberlander's death causes the Jewish community to to have a little introspection and a little self-examination and say, this is horrible, this is a disgrace, you know, how do we keep this from happening on other issues? Uh, you know, then this 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 piece of garbage's death will have will have at least had some some benefit for us. Mm-hmm. 
Canada does have a new war crimes law in place covering genocides, and officials have used it three times against Hutu war criminals from Rwanda's genocide against Tutsis back in 1994. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. We'll end today's episode with more on the Oberlander story. Bernie Farber was CEO of Canadian Jewish Congress, and he worked closely on the Oberlander case for many years. He's also the child of a Holocaust survivor. The, the list is, is, is not just endless, but these were you know, survivors who, who, who survived the most in, 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 under the most incredible odds, came here and then had to breathe the same air as their, as their tormentors. And they stood with us shoulder to shoulder in, in trying to do uh, everything that we thought that we could do. And every time we accomplished something, we thought, okay, good, we've done it. And yet it, it didn't happen. And it was like this kind of rolling avalanche. We could never really get a hold of it. I'm, and I'm not sure uh, any other community could have done better or worse. I mean, it wasn't just Canadian Jewish Congress. It was CJC. It was the Simon Wiesenthal Center. It was B'nai B'rith Canada. We all worked, uh, you know, really hard at trying to do this, and we failed. And, and it, it's, it's, it's one of those things that we will carry with us uh, for, for, for a very long time, sad to say. It's, it's a very bitter taste. I mean, it's, uh, you know, listen, my late father uh, said to me once when, at, at, the, at the beginning of the DeShane Commission, before he passed away in 1990, and I said, okay, you know, finally, maybe we're going to get some justice. I, I was saying that in the 1980s, and he said, justice? What's justice for the murder of six million people? Can there ever be real justice? And I, I said, you know, well, maybe. And he said, look, even if they get exposed, you know, even if they, if, if they, that in itself is a form of justice, that their family and that their friends and that fellow Canadian citizens will know that they weren't the kindly charitable givers that they pretended to be, that they were actually uh, enablers of, of, of genocide. That, that, that that becomes known, that's a form of justice.